We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. And we are going to get into a few things from tonight's 111-108 loss to the San Antonio Spurs. Loss number 16 of the season for the Timberwolves. But the main focus tonight has to be on that fourth quarter. Uh, I mean, the score of this game was 97-81 to with 10 minutes and 21 seconds left. Yeah, the Wolves were up by 16. So if you just think about it from that juncture of the game, I think ESPN had it pinned at 98% chance of the Wolves winning. So to lose that, to lose that lead, you know, in, in 10 minutes, it, it requires, it requires a collapse on both sides of the floor. And, and that's what, and that's what happened. I mean, if the, if the Wolves would have executed at all offensively in the fourth, they could have survived what DeMar DeRozan you know, did against them in the fourth quarter, scoring you know, 16 fourth quarter points. But, you know, I mean, DeRozan can go off, and you could still win that with that type of lead if you get a couple of offensive buckets. And the, and the opposite is true, too. If they could have just got the ball out of DeRozan's hands a little bit and slowed him down, then you can, you can still win that game with awful offense because you have a lead built. I mean, the the offense could have been as bad as it was, and it was it was awful. We're going to get into it. And and you can still win the game if, if a Kogi or McDaniels or Edwards or Beasley or, or whoever, if anyone can check DeRozan, you're, you're still in that game. But but they but they didn't do that either. It was it was an F on offense and it was an F on defense. And and that's how that's how you blow a sixteen point lead in ten minutes. Um I, I thought it was interesting in talking to players uh you know on the post game zoom and and they, we talked to Rubio and Beasley and Russell after the game, and they all kind of pointed to defense as the more problematic side of the ball in the fourth. And, I mean, we're going to talk about defense because, again, I acknowledge that was that was part of the equation here too. But I, I thought, in my opinion, the errors 
in offensive execution. You know, that that's where I thought, you know, the errors were more egregious. So I, so I want to start there. And and again, you know, the the Wolves were up by 16, 97 to 81, 10 21 left in the game. And so from that that point in the game, they they had 24 more offensive possessions over those 10 minutes. And they scored 11 points. 11 points in 10 minutes. Five two-pointers and one made free throw. I just I just watched all 24 possessions. And and I'm going to rip through here what happened because I going back and watching it it was actually worse and more dogmatic than than I remembered in the moment. So, 97-81, 10-21 left in the game. Uh, the whole bench is in. Rubio, Noel, Lehman, McDaniels, Vanderbilt. All the starters are resting. None of them played over 25 minutes at this point. So, in theory, you know, they're coming back pretty soon. But the Wolves rattled off six more offensive possessions with those bench guys out there. It started, the first possession was a Rubio airball mid-range shot. The next possession is a Lehman offensive foul. The next possession, Lehman has turns the ball over when he's inbounding it. After that, it's a pick and roll. Vanderbilt has it on the catch for a layup, but he kicks it out of bounds. Another turnover. The next possession, Lehman takes a fading corner three, misses it. Next possession after that, Noel's going in transition, drives to the bucket, misses a layup. That's zero points in three minutes that went by. And so now the score is 97 to 89. At this point, you know, we have we have seven and a half minutes left in the game, and then Delo and Nas check in for Lehman and Vanderbilt. So we got a little bit of that two point guard lineup, Delo and Rubio. It's Delo, Rubio, Noel, McDaniels, Nas. And this is where the Delo high pick and roll barrage just begins. Uh Delo runs a high pick and roll with Nas and and takes a fading three that he misses. Thirty seconds go by, and Saunders clears the rest of the bench guys out. Brings back in Beasley, Akogi, and Edwards. So you have the starters in. And right there, I think that's that's just bizarre to me. I, I don't I don't understand that rotation there. Like, why wait 30 seconds to, to have those other guys check in? It was it wasn't rest. It wasn't you were trying to get Beasley and Ant, you know, to you know, to recover or something they, they finished the game the two of them they were the highest in minutes they finished with 32 minutes played so i i don't understand why all of them couldn't have came in earlier but on the, the 32nd thing is just bizarre that happens that happens in a lot of the games where it just doesn't feel like they get back to the starter soon enough and the totals of the minutes are just at 32 it, it seems like this was a game where you could have extended the minutes a little bit more but anyways back to the actions the next possession it doesn't get better with the starters. The next action is a pin down for Beasley, and he actually scores on the drive right away. First possession he's in, he scores. Then we go back to the next possession, a high screen for D'Lo. He drives, gets blocked by Pirtle, Wolves ball still. They run an out-of-bounds play for Nas for a corner three. Nas airballs it. Next possession, D'Lo fumbles the ball up top, grabs it again. The defense is kind of scrambling, and he passes it to a wide-open Beasley, above the break who misses a wide open a wide open three next possession pin down for D'Lo D'Lo swings it to Ricky Ricky drives and misses now at this point we're at about four and a half minutes left in the game and it's tied so the lead has the 16 point lead has totally evaporated in just about six minutes so what do they do back to high pick and roll for D'Lo and D'Lo comes in mid-range pull up tries to draw a foul doesn't get it missed shot 
Next possession, Ant actually, this is Ant's one touch of the of the fourth quarter. He gets a defensive rebound, so he's dribbling the ball up the floor. He runs a pick and roll with D'Lo. D'Lo gets the switch and actually drives to the basket on this one and scores. If you've been paying attention, that's only the second bucket in six and a half minutes. So four points, four points in six and a half minutes. Next possession, another high pick and roll for D'Lo. Um, he hits Nas on the roll. Nas gets blocked. It's a loose ball. Beasley grabs the loose ball, shoots a floater. He makes it. Next position, another high pick and roll for D'Lo. D'Lo drives and scores. It started actually working a little bit when D'Lo would actually drive and not pull up for a three or for a mid-range shot. So at this point, we're tied. 105-105, three minutes left in the game. Next offensive possession. Another high pick and roll for D'Lo. D'Lo drives, draws the foul. Again, like I said, the drives are kind of working, but he only makes one free throw. Next possession, again, high pick and roll for D'Lo. He drives, misses. Nas actually gets the tip dunk there. So, again, once D'Lo's putting pressure on the rim, the pick and roll's starting to get something, but it's still just pick and roll over and over and over again. The next possession, high pick and roll for D'Lo from Nas. D'Lo pulls up from mid-range, misses. At this point, now there's 46 seconds left in the game, and the Wolves are down to 110-108. Rubio actually brings the ball up here, and it's a pin down from Malik, it's a good look. Malik drives to the basket, crashes into Trey Lyles, doesn't get the call. So it's going down the other way to the Spurs. They get fouled, make one free throw. It's now 111-108. The Wolves are down by three with eight seconds left. Final possession. D'Lo isolates, pulls up from three, misses. Game over. So what happened? What happened in those 24 possessions? Well, one, a bunch of misses. Two, a bunch of pick and roll. Three, the pick and roll only worked when D'Lo drove all the way to the basket, which is not his natural inclination and not his strength, but it's the only thing that worked in that pick and roll there. Four, there was very little Malik involvement in all of this. And then five, there was zero Ant involvement the entire fourth quarter. Why? That's the question. I asked Sarnas about a postgame. Ryan, there was a lot of um, high ball screen actions up there for D'Lo at the top. Is it? towards in the fourth quarter there is it as simple as if you get a conversion on one of those then that opens up something for the next yeah. possession out of that that action it, it was kind of that again and again yeah no it it is and you get you get one good look and then you know then they're reacting to the role they're reacting to the, the dribbler um you know then you know it opens the floor up for those other guys how do you balance that with maybe wanting to get a touch for Ant there, or yeah. wanting to get a, a touch for Malik. Yeah, yeah, we're going to D'Lo there. Yeah, we, we, I got to do a better job there. We, we all got to do a better job in that situation, especially in the flow of it. Um, you know, in, in the flow, a lot of times it's it's going to be on. You know, especially when when you know actions going on and you don't get something in transition. Um, you know, we're gonna have, we're gonna have to get organized on the court, and uh, you know that's gonna that takes us time to to know that, but. Um, yeah, we got, we got to get better flow right there. So I think Saunders there is conceding to having been just too dogmatic of, to keep running an offense that ultimately leads to pick and roll for D'Lo over and over again. I mean, he said that's on him. And, you know, when I do read those off and I say high pick and roll for D'Lo, that, that is what ended. I mean, that's true because that's what ultimately became of those possessions. But that's often not how the possession would start. They would try to run some sort of pin down or exchange to free Beasley but the execution was just awful. 
I mean, Nas's pin-down screens on Beasley weren't creating any space, and Beasley wasn't running off the screens well, so he just wasn't open. And he was just kind of, you know, Beasley was hot in this game, so he's just trying to, he's thinking, just give me the ball, give me the ball, which is fair. Like, Malik should have gotten the ball. But if you are an off-ball player like Malik, you've got to make yourself open, or your teammate has to free you open with a screen. And they didn't execute that at all. And and this is, that lack of execution just leads you to the point where it's, Eight, nine seconds left on the shot clock, and you have to run that Nas D-Low pick and roll. And that's what happened over and over again. So there's there's a lack of execution here, and that's how you deflect some blame from Saunders if you're trying to do it. But the the one real coaching thing that you know that sticks out is no touches for Ant. And again, I just I just watched it. I mean, he brought the ball up the court one time, and it was kind of by default because he got the rebound. That was the extent of his touches. Other than that, he's just buried away in the corner. And at some point, you just got to realize that your offense is ultimately leading to isolation every possession anyways. That's basically what the, you know, what a pick and roll is getting you. So I don't understand why you just can't ever clear four low for Ant and have him isolate. I mean, it, it just can't be 24 possessions and zero for him. If he's out, out there, I mean, he's your best isolation player. I, I, I don't understand why the Wolves never just give Ant the ball and run four flat. Let him isolate. I mean, how much execution failure has to happen around these D-low pick and rolls for that not to become the best option? Particularly when you can make the argument in the first place that it might just be the best thing you can get to in that situation anyways. I mean, I don't know. It was just not good. Not good. We're going to take a quick break and then come back and, and talk about the other side of the ball because it was. It was, it was equally impactful what, um, what DeRozan was able to do on the other end. What's up, everybody? We have something to tell you about here at Blue Wire, and that is that we love sports betting. And whether you've been betting for a while or you're thinking about getting started, we want to let you know uh, great resources for sports bettors. And that's the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up for an Action Pro, Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game. You can see money and bet percentages on every game. You can see the teams professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of pro systems, which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. You can track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network Pro subscription is the way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com and receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the code MORE50, M-O-O-R-E-5-0. This offer won't last, so go to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use promo code MORE50 to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. So on the defensive side of the ball, the, the fourth quarter collapse was all about Tamar DeRozan and just not having any answers for him. DeRozan scored 16 of the Spurs 32 points in the fourth quarter. And he also had two more assists that led to five more points. So he accounted for two thirds of the Spurs offense. And I think even that undersells his output. I mean, he was the offense and the Wolves had no answers. It, 
it's funny though because for as as much as it felt like Saunders didn't do enough offensively, it, it almost felt like on the other side of the ball with DeRozan, he tried to do too much. He he kept he kept cycling through defenders. First it was McDaniel's, then it was a Kogi, then he pulled a Kogi out for Rubio. So then it was Edwards, and then it was Beasley on DeRozan, and and I mean DeRozan cooked them all. And so I mean. To some extent, you can say like it, it doesn't matter who's out there. DeRozan was just getting all of them. But I, I felt my my feel was that the guess and check thing was detrimental. It, it feels if they would have just chose one guy to stick on the ball of DeRozan, that you know that that might have been better. And and I think obviously Okogie's been struggling recently, but I think history tells us that he would have been the best one to have been on DeRozan for the entire stretch of the game there. But what Saunders did was was he chose to prioritize offense, and he brought Rubio in for Akogi with five and a half minutes left in the game. And then Akogi sat the rest of the way, which, you know, that forces Ant or Beasley to be the one guarding DeRozan. And I just think Ant or Beasley, they, they just have no shot. They have no shot in that situation. And again, you know, Akogi was getting pushed around by DeRozan too. But to me, he's just still, he's still the best option there. And And really what you're, what you're risking with a Kogi out there, right, is that is that he'll kill your offense. But if you consider what we just went through, what was going on on the offensive end, I mean, he would have been in the spots that Ant or Rubio would have been, which is really just standing in the corner, never getting the ball. I don't think a Kogi's impact would have been that detrimental offensively if he was out there. And and this goes back to what I was saying at the beginning. Like, you're up 16. You just got to be good on one side, of the, be passable on one side of the ball, and you win that game. And by closing with Rubio over Kogi, you know, Saunders is choosing to prioritize making offense the passable side of the ball, which isn't indefensible. I mean, you know, maybe just more faith in the offense, you know, and so try, you know, trying to control what you can control. But Rubio is just a theoretical card to play there. He's he's a theoretical organizer that you can that can get your offense into something that eventually leads to a couple of buckets just because he's a controller. So that makes sense in theory, but the problem is is he's out there with Delo, so he's not the organizer. He's not the point guard. I mean, Delo is the point guard. He's the one they're running the offense through. So, I mean, get that. D'Angelo Russell this season in clutch situations, which is under five minutes left in the game with the score within five points, which obviously this game was the whole time. D'Angelo Russell's usage rate in clutch time this season is 47%. Hat tip Jace Frederick there. He just texted me that stat. But that number is insane. I mean, that was certainly true tonight that, you know, half of the Wolves' possessions were going through D, though. 47. So, to me, that signals that you know that the offense is going through D, though. So, then Rubio can't organize, and he's basically just a spacer. So, so what, what is his point? What can he control out there if he's in it at the end of the game? I asked Rubio about that, if if that is true, when I when he was up for his media after the game. My question would be: you say if you're the point guard there and trying to find that balance of you know, like a pick and roll versus maybe running a specific set there, can you control that? I guess if you aren't the one who has the ball in that situation, if on that possession D'Lo is the quote unquote point guard. Uh, I think you can control, but every like I said, I would be myself, but. The five who are on the floor gotta be thinking the same thing uh, all the time. 
and I don't, I don't think that's that's happening. Of course, we can blame it on because we're young and we didn't spend a lot of time in short uh, preseason uh, going through mistakes. <clears throat> if we learn from them, we're gonna we're gonna get better. Uh, but like I said, when you have the ball in your hands and you play a pick and roll, don't play until everybody's in their spots. Um, and sometimes it's, it's as like. They're pressuring your heartbeat goes 150 percent, and I just like okay, I'm just gonna play the pick and roll, and that's it. But then it may work one time, but uh, on the long run, uh, I'll learn from my career, especially <clears throat> my two years in Utah. They did a really good job of everybody being on the same page and knowing what to do. Um, and when the basketball is played that way, it's super fun because you know that. You probably didn't get the ball, but the cut that you did hard enough to get to the to the paint got an open three to your teammate. Uh, at that time, you didn't touch the ball, but maybe next time it's going to be you in the corner and uh, your teammate going to do that cut. So it's not thinking about being selfish. We have to think being unselfish, but doing the things all the time the right way. If you do it halfway, Defense uh, are not going to react as they're supposed to react. So I know we're young, everybody wants to score, everybody wants to like have the ball in their hands, but it has to be uh, roles and systems where everybody knows what they have to do. In so many words there, Rubio is functionally saying that for him to be effective without the ball, and this is this is bigger picture than just tonight, but for him to be effective without the ball, the Wolves' offense needs to run like the Utah offense. And that just ain't going to happen. I mean, that's not going to happen with this group. We know that. So while he's theoretically an organizer, he doesn't provide that organization or anything really because he's tucked away off ball, which which actually then asks him to do what he's worst at if he gets the ball. You know, it's a swing to him, and then he's, yeah, he's asked to do his worst thing, which is create his own shot. And, and so for that reason, it's hard for me to justify him being out there over Okogi because Okogi is at least going to impact defense more. Again, and, and I know some of you are thinking, well, Okogi wasn't doing anything against Rosen. So I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I honestly, I, I think just having Okogi out there boosts your defensive personnel overall. And that's where I would have gone. I, I mean, I'm kind of stuck on what the answer was because – Clearly, Okogi wasn't stopping him, but in theory, I think Okogi was a better was a better option. And and so when 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 Dilo was talking in, in his post game, he 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 talked a lot about the defense. So I, I I asked him specifically about what he felt they could have done better against DeRozan. We've talked a lot about with Ryan and Ricky uh, about the offensive part, and you, you're, you're highlighting the defense. So I, I'm curious, just for me, who haven't watched that game and what the role DeRozan played kind of in the, in the fourth quarter there. Do you feel that you guys, is, is he even a guy who you can take the ball out of his hands or is he going to just kind of dictate that in the fourth quarter there? I mean, Patty Mills was three for eight. And he's, he's their spark, you know, with Marcus Aldridge or DeRozan's not, you know, not doing it. So when Marcus wasn't playing, so now all we got to do is stop trying to focus in on those guys and make other guys beat us. DeJounte um, Murray plays solid. I think him out shooting us to, to beat us at the end of the game, I think that's what we got to see versus 
everybody, you know, kind of worried about their man. I think we got to make the Rosen, you know, pass that. And we got to harp on, uh, we got to be in the gap when Patty Mills is, has the ball in his hand. We got to make those guys make those passes and see if their supporting cast can, you know, beat us. You know, and I don't think that's our mentality going into the fourth quarter or just going into the game. I think we kind of just leave leave a guy on the island and, you know, um, you know kind of just hope they, they do the best they can. And guys are too good to just have one guy stop it. You know, it's it's got to be a team effort. I think once the once we realize that the fourth quarter, last 10 minutes of the game, we got to change our mentality to this guy isn't beating us versus – we all depend on our our guy to, to get a stop. I do think what Dilo's saying there is true. I just I don't know if this team has the personnel to execute that right now. Because whether it's a Kogi or McDaniels or it's been Culver in the past, the Wolves defense is so reliant on those individual defenders controlling the point of attack. And at some point, particularly against a guy that's rolling like DeRozan was, you know, it just isn't really it isn't a good bet to say we're going to bet on our defense, good defense versus good offense in a one-on-one situation. You have to guard a guy like that as a team. And it's, it's probably one of those situations for where to slow DeRozan down, Okogie has to do everything he can, or whoever it is at the point of attack has to do everything they can. And then the other four guys surrounding him also have to win everything else on the margins. Those are the denials or, or closing the gaps, as Dilo said there. And, and for me, I think that just illuminates a bigger picture issue with this team, which was a concern, you know, coming in, which was a big picture concern coming into the season. And it's just that I'm not sure they have the surrounding pieces defensively who can win on the margins. Even in the games where, you know, D'Lo and Beasley are carrying them offensively, they just might not physically be the guys who can who can pick you up defensively and, and win those, those things on the margin. And, and, you know, same thing goes for Ant right now, too. So you're you're left with this conundrum where you're you're playing these two or three guys because you need them for offense, but they're going to cost you on defense. It's kind of like the defensive version of playing two or three non-shooters at the same time, and your spacing is crumbles. And again, that that's not a concern just for tonight, but but for an eventual playoff series, right? With this core, it, it's hard to make the argument that this roster has enough defense from their offensive players to not get exploited when they are in a playoff series. And I know that sounds very forward thinking, but we're talking about D'Lo and Beasley here. And Ant, that's, those are your two, three, and four guys. And that's just kind of an indictment of the way this roster is being constructed. How could it play in, how could it work in a playoff series? There's a lot of DeMar DeRozans in this league. And in the playoffs, a lot of teams have multiple DeRozans. What, what, what do the Wolves do then? That's what I got for tonight. Um, I mean, it's just, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's, it's, it's another, it's another, another tough loss where the answers just aren't there because the errors are just so many that, you know, you could point to, to 15 different things from Saunders, you know, to, you know, to the personnel and, it's just it's just where this roster's at. You know, you're gonna get to fourth quarters and I mean I, I tweeted it before this this fourth quarter. A ten point lead isn't enough for this team because they're just probably gonna be a team that gets out executed in the fourth quarter, given how young their personnel is, given how 
well, just not good in the fourth quarters they are. I recorded a pod with Britt on Wednesday before the game. So I, I do wanna I do wanna pump that again before I sign off here. It was a recap of Gerson Rosa's uh first eighty two games at the helm uh, as the Pobo of the Wolves. So obviously we don't specifically talk about this game, but I don't think it's outdated at all if you listen to that after this loss. I mean we're we're talking about the big picture here with the Wolves. So I wanted to point that out in case that might have got buried in your feed. And then also the day before, I uh, recorded a film review of Anthony Edwards um, and Isaac Okoro and Devin Massell with Will DeBerg. So so that'll be in your feed there too. Obviously, I'm doing these, if you're just listening to these post-game podcasts, I, I do do longer conversations as well. So I think those two with Britt and Will were, um, were good. So if you want to step out of the immediacy of this loss, um, check those out. Those are bigger picture conversations. I do appreciate those of you still eating this stuff up. It's good to know I'm not just talking to myself. Um, the Wolves, speaking of talking to myself, I will be back doing that um, after the next two Wolves games, which are Friday and Saturday in Oklahoma City. So I will be back to, to talk to you after Friday night Friday night's game. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.